0: Are you glad to be here today? Mm, come on. Are you glad to be here today? Your love never fails. Talking about it. God's love. Your love never gives up. And your love never runs out on me. Jesus loves me. This I know. How do I know? For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak. But He... Stand and sing it with me. Jesus loves me. Everyone stand. Sing it down. Yes... Yes, yes, the Bible tells Jesus love me. Still today, walking with me all the way, warning as a friend to give light and love to all who sing the course out. Yes, he does. Yes. He does. yes. He does. He does. The by. If you know this chorus, sing it with me. Jesus loves me, he who died. Jesus loves me he Heaven's gates to open wide. Heaven's gates. He will wash away my sin. Let his little child. I want to hear you sing it out. Yes, he does. Yes. How do you know? Thank you. You may be seated. Did you ever play that game? He loves me. He loves me not he loves me, he loves me not. You don't have to say he loves me not. He loves you. He really does love you. When I found out my wife loved me, I was one of the happiest days of my life. You see, Carol and I grew up together. We, She was 14, I think, when I met her. And we were like brother and sister. And then I moved from Sampson County to Durham County and I lived with her mom and daddy and her. I lived with her before I got married. <clears throat> that don't sound good, does it? <laughs> but I really did. I lived with her mom. She and I were like sisters. And then she'd go to school and I'd go to work. And we were like brother and sister, like brother and sister. Then one day, she, the bus drove up. And they have a big picture window in their, in their living room. And I looked down and she was getting off the bus. And I said, wow, I could have had a V8. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know that I believe in love fall, or fallen in love. But if I if that's true, that day I fell in love. With my, and I said, she loves me. But more than that, Jesus loves us. Amen. If you don't have an outline of the, of the uh message. Please raise your hand, Brother Stephen. Make sure you get one. I want everyone to have an outline of the sermon. And uh, if you will, just lift your hand. About two and a half months ago, I started on relationships. Cultivating relationships. And the areas that I want to deal with and have been dealing with is our relationship with God. You know, we put him first. Our relationship with the family, in, in marriage. Our relationship with the church. Our relationship with the world. God, family, church, world. In that order. In that order. The family was instituted before the church was instituted. And so why would I start with God before family? Because you've got to make sure in order for your marriage to be what it should be, in order to be fulfilled in your marriage, you must make sure that God is the center of your marriage. That's a good place to say amen right there. That God is the center of your marriage. We talked about our relationship with God and how important that relationship was and is. And uh, we looked at several things. Uh, we looked at how that man fell out of his relationship with God, and we find that in Genesis. In fact, this morning, in order to look at the family and the beginning of the family with marriage, uh, we start with Genesis and how that Adam and Eve fell and then our relationship with God, how to create intimacy with God, in understanding that intimacy with God, and getting to know Him. I'm amazed at people, and I've talked to so many this week, and, and I purposefully, with, with talking with people with, uh, that were Jewish, that were Christians, and that the basics of the Jewish religion... For instance, who is King David? I mean, if you're Jewish, you you should know who who King David is. They didn't even know. And Christians today, we call ourselves Christians. Why? Because we live in Christian America. And if you live in America, everybody's a Christian, quote. That's what people think. You're from America, you are a Christian. No. But I noticed how little they knew about God. Now, this coming March, I'll celebrate 50, wow, 50 years of pastoring this church, and I have to go about preaching a sermon so much different than I did 30, 40, and 50 years ago. I've got to start at the elementary things about the Bible. Years ago, 50 years ago, 40, even maybe 30 years ago, I think this started changing somewhere around 1950. You you could talk about the Bible and most people, big percentage of people in the congregation knew what you were talking about. You could talk about the Old Testament. Now, they didn't know the the, the fine print of the Old Testament. They knew basically the Old Testament. And Christianity, if you talked about the New Testament. They didn't know. I mean, they knew. But today, you've got to go back and lay a foundation for people to even understand what you're... T- so people need to get to know God. About the only way people know... most, or A lot of people know, not most, but a lot of people know God, is use Him as a curse word. But we need to know God. We don't need to know just know about God. And learn about God hear about God we need to know him somebody says pastor are you sure you're on the level here because God created all things and the God of the universe when you think of God of the universe you mean we can know him personally yes how through him by his son Jesus Christ wow, you can snuggle up the God through Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Let's read some. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, and then I'll go to verse 25 through 21 through 25. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And... We'll go to verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, woman, because she was taken out of man, therefore a man shall leave Are you sure this is right? His father and mother guy just got sued the other day I think that's about forty some years old. His mom and daddy had to sue him to get him out of the house <laughs> more cottage kids and Graduates are going back home. But this says a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Wow. Man shall leave his father and mother. Let's look at the introduction. I love the introduction. I'm going to quote from R.C. Sproul. If you've never read behind R. C. Sproul or listened to him on YouTube, it's a good good reading. It's a good good listening. Listen to what he says. There seems to be a lot of confusion about marriage these days. For many people, the very idea for marriage has become a joke. The traditional model of marriage is being challenged now more than ever. Amen. But instead of challenging traditional marriage, let us first look at the basis of that tradition. To do that, he says, we must go back to the beginning. Now, I want to read a little bit more of what he, what he said. Listen to this. In 1950, there were people who lived together and they were not married. But They represented an extremely small group of people because the tradition of marriage was one of the most deeply rooted and ingrained structures, not only of our nation and of American culture, but of world culture. Now it is commonplace for people of the same sex or different sexes simply have an arrangement of living together where the basic, structure, and content of marriage is ignored. We know that's true. We see it every day. I think television has been one of the main culprits of introducing that kind of lifestyle to our culture today. It is so sad. We believe that marriage is an institution and was instituted originally by God himself in the covenant of creation. Say that with me. Covenant of creation. Say it again. Covenant of creation. I want that, I want that to ring into your mind and because I want to go there in just a moment because I, I think it is very important for us to realize that marriage is not a Muslim religion or of a Muslim religion, a Buddhist religion, or a Jewish religion. It's part of it. It is is not even a Christian religion or, or practice. Marriage is a covenant practice between God and people. Marriage was before the law. Before the Mosaic law, there was marriage. Marriage was before the children of Israel ever had to come out of Egypt. Marriage. How important this institution is today. And I don't care how much it's been maligned, laughed at, put down, Marriage is important. The father's position and place in marriage is extremely important. The mother's place in marriage. And certainly the children's place. But each one must be in a biblical place in order for the marriage to function as it is to function. And the reason we have marriages that are messed up is because we get those out of balance. And I want to start this morning on the family with, in the beginning, marriage. Some other things, other things I want to cover is the successful marriage. What is love? You know, people don't know what love is. They think it's infatuated. You know, they look at Hollywood and think Hollywood introduces you or exposes you to love. They expose you to lust. Not love. And it's important that we we talked a lot and sung a lot about love today. It's important that we love each other. And it's important that the husband loves the wife, and the wife loves the husband, and the husband tell the wife that she that he loves her. We have a hard time, guys. You know, one day the man came home, the husband came home, and his wife was in the bedroom. She's on the bed crying. And he just couldn't understand why she was crying. So he goes in there and says, honey, what's the matter? She said, you, you never tell me you love me. I told you 15 years ago, if there's any change, I'll let you know. <laughs> Another guy came home, his wife was crying. He says, what's the matter? You never tell me you love me. And he expresses his love to her. And it's important that we express our love to our our wives. It's important that each one expresses love. It's important that we love each other. I want us to look from a biblical, listen to this, perspective at the entire scope of the institution of marriage from its origin. And that's the reason I read from, from Genesis and it's important. He made a help made. In other words, listen to this. Everything, that, and I love to read the first four chapters of the book of Genesis. You, 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 you almost ought to read it weekly. And, and you can read it weekly for all your life and still glean from it because it, it is so powerful. But what God created, and there's about eight times when he created The universe, he created the world, he created the sun and the moon and the stars and the creatures. And everything he did, he said, and it was good. Jim Carrey says it real good. And it was good. God created good. But then when he took the dust and made man, And he found out man was alone, or didn't find out. He knew man was alone. He said what? It is not good. It is not good to be alone. My wife left me the other night. She really did. Most of you know I've been struggling with somewhat physically. And her and Larry and Tammy went to Raleigh to a very important uh, gathering. I have never felt as lonely as I felt last Thursday when she left. I don't know how we make it without God. I really don't. I felt so lonely. And God said it's not good for a man to be alone the loneliness. I went outside and I love outside. I love the trees, I love the birds, I love the grass. I like to look at the different kind of trees and enjoy God's creation. And I felt better. But then I started singing. I sing. I started praying. I started speaking in tongues. And I started worshiping God. And Sister Ruth, that loneliness just did this. It's not good for man to be alone. Listen at this. I took this from the word from you today, my volume eight. A national syndicated columnist writes, I'm lonely and it saddens me. How could I not have enough friends? It seems as though every woman's friendship quota is filled and she no longer, she's no longer accepting new applications. It's easy to fill your day with work, but it's not enough. And if you think it's bad for women, 90% of men report that they don't have one close friend. Is that a wow? Mother Teresa, she said loneliness is modern day leprosy and people don't want others to know they're lepers. Throughout Genesis, this writer says, reread, and God saw that it was good. It's recurring theme. It's a recurring theme. That is, until God created man, then he said it isn't good for man to live alone. Think. Even though, now listen to this. I never thought of this, this, this way. Even though the fall hadn't yet happened, God said this before the fall had happened. Never though, and Adam was enjoying uninterrupted communion with his creator. Because he was without human companionship, God said it wasn't good. But what a thought. Because God met with him in the cool of the day, even before he created Eve. And he said it's still not good. Inside every one of us, there's a void that only God can feel. But since the Bible says we're all connected to each other, there's also a people-shaped void that God won't fill. Mm. And nothing else can either, nothing else can either, not jobs, houses, cars, or money. The one who created your You for connection says, do not be interested only in your own life. Be interested in others. And I'm going to tell you, I I, I found this this week in my bottom drawer of my desk. And I said, I've got to read that. But before I did, when I was standing outside last Thursday, I said, what can I do to get over this loneliness? And I thought to myself, if I will help somebody, if I will think of somebody else, if I can minister to someone else. Now listen to what it says. So the answer to loneliness can be found in reaching out, in finding an unmet need and pouring yourself yourselves into it. Or as the judge of the communications company goes, reach out and touch somebody or touch someone. Go ahead, try it. You'll be glad you did you're lonely? Bless somebody. Reach out and touch somebody. Pray for somebody. It's important. This man was alone and so God made him a companion. Eve. Notice Roman numeral number one, the origin of marriage. It was God God created marriage. Verse 18 says again, and the Lord God said, It is not good for man that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So God created marriage. God created man and woman because he wanted us to enjoy each other and to be blessed. I see so many marriages, so many couples, so many marriages that are living, people living together so unfulfilled. That's not God's desire. God wants you happy. And I know I'm speaking to quite a few single people. Let me tell you something. God, I, when I was outside, I was crying because I felt so lonely. And I miss Junius like I've never missed him since he died. And I got to crying. I said, Lord, I miss my brother. He was a year and three months older than me. And even though I was a preacher and he was the usher or whatever, he 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 was my elder. He he helped me. He led me. And I said, God, I was crying. I said, God, I miss my brother. And God spoke to me and he said, I'll be closer than a brother. And I said to him, I said, Lord. Audibly, I just, among the trees and the grass, I said, Lord, if you're going to be closer than my brother, you're going to have to be awful close to me. And he is. If you don't have a husband, if you don't have a wife, if you don't have a mom and dad, if you don't have anybody else, if you got him, We used to sing this. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. He is. And he said to me that day, he said, I'll stick closer than a brother. You see, God knew that Adam couldn't commune with his creation. I was reading... If you you read behind Max Licato, great writer. Nobody can describe hardly anything like Max Licato can describe it. And he was describing the creation. And I said, oh, if I just had the words that this man had. When you think about the creation, even the creating of the body, can you imagine? Did you know what those eyelids keep you from getting anything in your eye? But they just happen so to be there. When you look at the when you look at the human body and the creation of God, it is amazing. And then you've got the Earth and the Sun. Someone said, well, that old Sun's got nothing to do but roll around heaven all day." I'll tell you what. That Sun. If we were closer to the Sun, we'd melt. If we were farther away, we would freeze. And if the moon was closer, the tide would do whatever. I mean, God placed the sun and the moon and the earth and the stars and everything in its rightful place. And if it was off if the if the earth were on its axis at an angle, we wouldn't be here. And you think all this just happened? That's dumb. I don't care how many PhDs you got behind your name. That's dumb. And Max Lucado was describing it in such a, a, a wonderful way. But God knew that Adam could not fellowship with his creation, his creatures. I love the, I love the read there in Genesis where he, he made, first of all, the birds that fly. I'm jealous of birds. I wish I could fly and go the distance like a crow, as a crow flies. But we can't. God made those birds to fly. God made the lion and the tiger and the leopard and the hyena and horses and cows and chicken. He made everything. But Adam can't commune with those creatures. So God said, I'm going to make you a helpmate. And I'm going to tell you, when my wife got back home Thursday night, I wanted to hug her and kiss her and hug her. I didn't, but I wanted to hug her and kiss her and hug her and kiss her. If you've got a good husband, if you've got a good wife, let them know it. Let them know you appreciate it and appreciate them. So God knew all that. So he says, I'm going to make a helpmate. And all of God's creation, recreation, he said, it's not good. When he created man and saw him by himself, it is not good. That's the origin of marriage. It's not a Jewish thing. It's not a Muslim thing. It's not a Buddhist thing. It's not a Christian. That's the reason it's, it's not a Christian thing because it was, it was God created, God's created institution. That's the reason churches recognize civil weddings. Because it was before the New Testament, before Christ came before Moses wrote the law God in the very beginning united man, united woman and he meant for that the way. And listen. He created the male and female. And you try any other way, you're going to be miserable. And the reason so people so so many people are angry and 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 do all the things that they do is because they're miserable. And they won't even let them own selves approach that. And they won't say anything about their loneliness. And sure, they're lonely. Sure, they're hurting. People with deviated lifestyles, they're hurting. Because they're out of the will of God. The origin of marriage, look at second of all, the purpose of marriage. And we read that. God joined them together. Let me say something. You guys and gals that's planning on getting married, make sure God joins you together. Don't let it be infatuation. Don't let it be because she's pretty and he's handsome and those things certainly come into play. But listen to me. Let God join you together together. That word there means they really clinged to each other. Oh God, isn't that beautiful? You and your wife, you and your husband, you cling to each other. And that's more than just a physical thing. It is an emotional clinging. It is a spiritual clinging. And people say, Oh, you just talk about God and going to church and all that. And, and I want to go get married. I want to go to school. I want to get a job. A man was talking to a young man, an older gentleman was talking to a young man. He said, What are you going to, what are you going to do? He said, Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go to college. Where are you going to go? Well, I'm going to go to such and such a college. What are you going to do then? He said, Well, I'll get a job. Oh. That's good. What are you going to do then? Well, I'll get married. How about it then? I'll have children. What are you going to do then? I guess I'll live till I retire. What are you going to do then? I'm going to die. <laughs> what are you going to do then? You've got to play it out you gotta, you got to know what's going to happen down the road. And let me tell you something. When you get in a certain condition in your, in your life, you're glad that you've served God. You're glad that He and you are on speaking terms. That you can call on Him. And He hears you. And not only He hears you, He loves you. Not only that he loves you, but he'll intervene for you. You say, "But I've prayed and things didn't work out." Well, they might not work out just the way you want them to, but he hears you. He'll answer your prayer and he'll work it out to base in the long run to your good. What are you going to do then? It's important the purpose of marriage. Unless we find God's purpose in marriage, we will never have fulfillment in in marriage. Say amen. Unless we find God's purpose in marriage, we will never have fulfillment in marriage. I gotta hurry up. I'm, my time is really getting away from me. God's purpose. I love this. Would you read it with me? Look at it. Don't don't read it out loud. But read it with me. Number two of under number two. God's purpose to bring together two personalities, two individuals, so that there can be an interrelationship of communion, fellowship, and oneness on the physical and natural level. Wow. God wants. God wants that. One flesh means sexual union, child conception, spiritual union, and emotional intimacy. God created that marriage. And today our society and our culture takes it so lightly. And that's the reason that we're in the mess that we're in. We've fallen flat on our face and substituted other things for the purpose and the will of God in our lives. And we're living miserable life. Can you believe the people that's committing suicide? National-owned people. I think suicide just moved up, what, above some other way of death. I, I, I just, I'm, just, I'm amazed at all the stuff that America has. Push button here, instant this, all of this, and how miserable we are. Somebody says, you want to go back to the good old days? Not necessarily. But I'll tell you what I do want to go back to for our nation is the principles of God. And they can call you anything they want to call you. They can say you're old fogey. They can go out on the golf course today and think we're having fun. Boom! And they can watch you go to church and say, I'm glad I'm (coughs) not one of those religious nuts. We may be nuts, but we're screwed on the right boat. They can laugh at you. They can do whatever they want to. The purpose of marriage. One flesh. And then number three, the price of marriage. God called man to give before there could be a marriage. Well, Brother Don, no, I got married and, and 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 I'm just not happy. I don't love her anymore. You don't love her anymore? You don't love him anymore? We're living together, but we, we're married, but we just don't love each other. Love is a fruit and you got to cultivate it. And a lot of people have let their love die because they hadn't worked at it. How long has it been since you've cleaned yourself up, shaved and looked? And God put on some good old smelling lotion and said, honey, we're going to the nicest restaurant in town. And sit there, <clears throat> forgive me, Sister Carol, sit there with your mind on her, put that thing away, and stop. It's good preaching, Brother dog. <laughs> you got to cultivate it. Love and marriage go together like a love. It is important that we love the price. God called man. Listen, it's a sacrifice sometimes. I had to put up with her. I put up with her for 55 years. She put up with me for 55 years too. And it's been a sacrifice for me. It's been a sacrifice for her. But we didn't walk off. She could have walked off when I, we first got married. In our first eight years of marriage. She could have walked off and been justified. But she didn't. Now she's glad she didn't. I hope. I hope. Sometimes it's not easy. There's, look, look at what I said. Go back to what I said. Two personalities, two individuals. One's from Mars and one's from where? Venus. Is that right? One's from Mars and one's from Venus. We're two planets apart, two personalities. One of us thinks of the right side of our brain. The other one thinks of both sides of our brain. Men think with the right side of their brain. They don't think with both sides of their brain. I can go to the pantry and I can stand there and look for something for 10 minutes and I can't see it and it makes me so angry she can walk to that same pantry through that same door and put her hand right on it. It makes me feel stupid. We need women. We need wives. And we, we need to love each other. Yeah, there's hard times. But you stick it out. Love is not a, just a feeling. Love is commitment. Love is self-giving. Love is sac- <laughs> sacrifice sometimes. It's true. I, listen, the reason I'm doing this, I want you to be happy. I want you to be fulfilled one of the worst things in the world is to work all day and then the world puts you down I mean you're a slave to the clock you're a slave to everything in the world and the only place you can really find solace is back home and if that's a mess you are in a mess you want to go home where there's peace and quiet and where there's unity two personalities two individuals but a communion a love i got to hurry up. One flesh. The price God called man to give before he had to put man to sleep, take a rib out of the side. Aren't you glad he took the rib and not the toe? Because some men act like he took their, the toe from, from Adam. He didn't take the toe because they walk on their wives. They speak down to her. They think she's the weaker vessel. She's the lesser Important, and all those things he took the rib from the side so she could walk right beside of him and be part be part of what he 's doing be part of what yeah, listen it 's important sacrifice man must be a participant in order to have a marriage man listen, you know what you know what being spiritual is for the man? Let me tell you what it is been the leader. And God, I believe, listen, I believe God made man the leader in the home. Now, women, don't you get angry at me. You got to understand that. I believe the man should be the Lord of the home, not a capital L or small L. That doesn't mean that he cracks the whip and she jumps. That means that he provides for that family spiritually. He provides for that family physically. He provides for that family emotionally. It should be the man that says, honey, we're going to get up in the morning and go to church. It should be the man that takes the leadership role in being the spiritual one. When I was raised in church in Pentecost, 80% of the people in that church were women. And if it were not for the women, a lot of times there are a lot of churches would have gone belly up. It should be the man that takes the leadership role and provide. Listen, the man is the umbrella. The man is the protector. And if he don't provide that leadership spiritually and physically and emotionally and physically, then there's something lacking. She's unprotected. And all of my preaching over 50 years in my life over... How old am I? All my life, I've never seen very... There are exceptions to the rule. Very few women... That if that man provided for her as he should, leadership as he should, that she wouldn't want to do about anything he wants her to do. Lordship is earned because you wear the pants in your home. Of course, we used to say that when women couldn't wear pants. When you because you wear pants in your home doesn't mean that you are providing leadership. Lordship is earned. you got to earn it. Now, I, I see some of us have gotten a little quiet. I hope this is resonating. I hope you understand biblically what God intends for the marriage. The price of marriage, it takes two people to make a marriage. It takes two people walking together, working together, walking together, not against each other. Working, walking with each other. The condition of marriage, God made man and woman. He created them male and female in his own image. That in itself is a message. Created in his own image. God created, here's something that's important. When God created man, he he created him with the freedom to choose whether to serve God or not he could have made man cry uncle and made him serve him, but he didn't do that. He gave you and I, he gave mankind the liberty and the freedom to choose him or reject him. And by, listen, so many people now reject him. You're going to make a decision today. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. In fact, if you do know him and, 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 and you're out of fellowship with him, you've lost your first love and, and you've grown cold and indifferent, you choose today. You can choose to renew that relationship with God. You can choose to do that. The dangers of marriage, the moment God created this special union between man and woman, Satan comes and destroy destroys it. Most all of us know what happened. Adam, I mean Eve, was tempted by the devil. And she took of the fruit. Someone said it was an apple. I don't know what it was, but she took of the fruit of that tree. Because the devil, listen to me, listen, I'm, I'm going to fix to bring this to a close. The devil lied to Eve. He said, Has God said, you shall not take of this tree? And she misquoted God. She said, God said for me not to touch it. God never said that. But she disobeyed God. And the Bible says, Someone says she wasn't with, with Adam. Yes, she was with Adam. Because the scripture says she gave to Adam who was. With her. And both Adam and Eve sinned by partaking of the forbidden fruit that God has said. The moment he, the lie, and that's a capital, capital L I E, the lie questions God's word. Don't do that. Believe God's word. Do not challenge God's word. We need to say, Concerning what I'm preaching today, I believe I'm preaching God's Word. And when we read God's Word and we hear ministers or teachers or whoever teach the Word of God, we need to to say, what can I do to apply that Word to my life? I want to apply this to my life. I want to be obedient to God. I'm ending with this. The power of marriage. Look at verse 1 of Genesis 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. That's the Old Testament description. Adam lay with Eve, his wife. And she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Adam had sex with Eve and Cain was born. Nowhere does it say that Adam had the sex drive before Eve was created. Wow. You see, you talk about sex. I'll tell you who created sex. God. Very seldom does it get this quiet in the congregation. (laughs) The moment man awakens from sleep, he had a sex drive. For reproduction and to satisfy A physical need. I won't, in this time, if I have time, I won't won't to teach. I won't teach it Sunday morning. I'll teach it maybe. I'll choose a Sunday night and, and teach what the Bible has to say about sex. You will not want to miss that teaching. I don't care who you are. And I'll teach it to an adult congregation. What the Bible has to say about sex. It is important no matter what we do. It is important in our marriages especially to know Jesus Christ. And say, God, and what I want you to do today, and we're in it as they come to provide some music. I, what I want to do today is, is to say, God, I want you. Listen at me. Listen at me. I want you to be center of my life. I want you to be center of my marriage. My wife and I have such a great relationship when it comes to the spiritual aspect. Of course, she's, she's phenomenal with God leading her and she following the Lord and, and those things. But if you and your wife or you and your husband are struggling, if you're not fulfilled, you can be. You say, well, it's all over for us. We've, we've lost our love for each other and we just simply, simply exist together. God doesn't want that. God wants you to be together and be fulfilled together. He desires that. And if you're here today, first of all, if you don't know Christ, all I'm asking you to do is to accept him as your personal Savior. You say, preacher, y'all say that. What do you mean by that? That means to recognize that you're a sinner. Pray to God. You say, I don't know how to Pray. It doesn't have to be a fancy prayer. It can be just simply talking to God, talking to Jesus. Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you wash me? I believe it's so important. I'm working on a sermon now. Confession produces release. Listen at me. Confession produces release. You see, the problem today is people don't want to confess. We don't want to admit where we are. We don't want to admit we're lost. We don't want to admit we would backslidden. We don't want to admit we're having problems in our relationships, whether it's our wife, husband, brother, sister, spiritually. We don't want to admit it. But I believe it's important to confess. So if you're here today, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I confess my sins. I forsake. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. This is 1 John 1 and 9. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then the writer in the Old Testament says we must confess our sins and what? Forsake our sins. I want you to be happy in your marriage. I want you to live many years, celebrate many anniversaries. I love my wife now as much or more than I have ever loved her. I believe that love, listen to this, listen to this. I believe that love can grow and increase. For your mate, for a brother or sister in the Lord, it can grow and increase. If you're here today and you know you're not what you need to be with the Lord and you're not where you need to be with the Lord, I want to pray for you. I appreciate every man that's here today. It, we have such a good representation of men in this church. And I'm talking about men. Some of them are Charles, Charles Atlas men, because that's back before your time, Arnold Schwarzenegger men. I mean, they wow. Or you may be like me. I used to exercise and look at Charles Atlas, and I, I want to be like. You may never be a Charles Atlas, but you can be a man on the inside. Stand up and be a man. Be a man spiritually. Provide for that home. Provide that umbrella for that wife. And those children, it makes a difference. I want to pray for every man that's here today. Every father. Every father that's here today. I want to lay my hands on you. Because I appreciate you. I love you. And I hope you'll give me the privilege every father that is here. And I want to say to you, Happy Father's Day. My phone kept going off in the office. kept going off in the office. kept going on the off in the office. I gave it to Carol. I said, "Carol, find out who's calling me." They know it's Sunday morning. I'm getting ready. I mean, I'm spiritual. I don't want no phone. She come back in the office. She said, "It's your daughter." Won't you? she said, oh. She said, Daddy, I just wanted to call you and wish you happy. And I was with her last night, paid for a meal. <laughs> she said, Daddy, I just wanted to call you and wish you a happy Father's Day. And I want you to know I love you. It means something when somebody tells you they love you, whether it's your husband, your wife, your children, a brother and sister. I mean, really mean it. Not a pass and go think, I really love you. What are we playing? How are we? Will we sing that? When we sing this song, I'm going to ask you to stand in just a moment. I'm going to ask all the dads to come. Then I'm going to ask all the wives and all everybody else to come and stand behind him. Let's sing this song. You may stand. That's all right. Begin to come. Every father. Come on, dads. Come on, dads. We love you today. Sing the song. Chains are gone. I've been set free. And like a flood, His mercy. My chains are gone. Sing it out. Come stand behind the fathers, would you? Everybody come. Come and stand behind. You're gone! We don't have a lot there, standing there. Brother Tim, I love you, appreciate you so much. Would you go over and stand behind another Tim, behind Tim back there? He's a father. He has some wonderful children. He's physically unable to come down. But I want to make sure every father, someone lays their hands on every father. Come on up, Brother Chip, come on. Now, I want you to get behind. Make sure every father has somebody behind. Their wife, their children, a, a brother, sister, uh, someone. And let's pray. Let's believe the Lord. I'm sorry, I misled you. Start on all over again. Father, we love you today. I thank you for ministering in this place. I thank You for touching every heart and every life. I thank You, Lord, for Your presence. I thank You, Lord, for every every dad that's here this morning, every father. And Lord, as we begin to lay our hands on them, I pray for them. I pray, God, that You would instill into them, dear God, courage. I pray that You would instill into them, dear God, faith. I pray that You would instill into them spiritual strength. I pray, dear God, that You would help them to become... And many of them already are the father and the husband that they should be. Lord, we believe you today that you're going to do a work of transformation. Let me say that again. Father, we believe that you're going to do a work of transformation in these lives. In Jesus' name. And we pray your blessings in Christ's name. Let's continue to pray.